I'm always glad to come together to worship God on the Sundays. It's great to be with the people of God, and I'm happy for another reason. Last night, LSU, uh, the quarterback, won the Heisman Trophy, and he got the highest number of votes in history. So I just wanted all of you to know that I grew up in Louisiana, and you're required to be a fan of LSU if you're from Louisiana. I'm going to be reading from Galatians 4.4, and we've been having an Advent series. This one says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent uh, His Son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Well, it's about time. That's an expression that we use. Usually when somebody is late, and uh, my wife doesn't know, but I'm going to tell a little story about this morning. Uh, I like to be on time. In fact, I like to be 10 minutes ahead of time. So I, we wanted, I wanted to be on time for Sunday school this morning. And so at 8 o'clock, I said, are you about ready? And she said, that means absolutely nothing in Spanish. <laughs> she said 10 minutes and then 20 minutes later she was getting into the car. And I'm thinking in my mind, well, it's about time, but I did not say that. I have learned not to step on every landmine. <laughs> you know, the Jews seem to be saying the same thing at the time of Christ. It's about time. Why has God not sent His Messiah? We've been waiting and waiting. God spoke through the Old Testament prophets, but for 400 years there had not been a prophetic voice. And finally, everything was just right. God sent His Son into the world. And God demonstrated His sovereign control of all the history because He was working things up. Now, today in looking back, we can understand a little bit about why this was the perfect time. First of all, there was the Jewish morality. In many parts of the Old Testament, the Jews weren't very ethical. They engaged in immorality. They uh, worshipped other gods and false gods. And so in 587, the southern kingdom, kingdom of Judah, was carried off into Babylon. And during the time of their Babylon captivity, they were changed. Uh, one of the changes was they began to realize that there was only one God, and so they practiced monotheism from then even until the present time. They never went after false gods again. Their morality changed, and in the day in which the Bible was written, there was gross immorality in other society. <clears throat> the Romans were brutal people. They had uh, the gladiators and they had warriors killing themselves and being killed by others and animals. Uh, they were also a, a slave-owning people. And I was reading this last week a little bit about the slaves. Often they were stripped naked. They had absolutely no rights. And the buyer could come before them and touch them or handle them because they were just checking merchandise. They were also uh, very immoral in, in sexual ways. They even had a temple devoted to the God of love. There were temple prostitutes there. 
And so it was in all Asia. The Jews never participated in that again. And then also, when they came back from captivity, the temple had been destroyed. And so they were searching through the rubble and they found the scriptures and Ezra the scribe got up. And he began reading the Bible that they had never heard before. And the people began to weep because they had disobeyed God. They had not followed His word. And a revival broke out. So they became a people of the book from that time onward. And then there was a final thing that happened there and that is they developed the synagogue system. Because the temple had been destroyed, they could no longer worship in a temple and they were in a foreign land. So they began to worship in small groups. And they called these synagogues. And the synagogue system became the place of worship on Sunday, their Sabbath, from then until the current time. The Romans were immoral and there were those that, that saw the Jews and they saw something different. These Jews had a morality that they did not see anywhere else. Uh, there was one soldier in Alexandria in Egypt and he wrote a letter to his wife, a love letter. She was pregnant. He said, if it's a boy, keep him. But if it's a girl, throw her out. That was the kind of morality they had in that day. And so there were God-fearing people they called themselves God-fearers. They had not yet converted to Judaism because the men had to be circumcised. That was a big decision. But they were attracted to the morality of the Jews. And then secondly, it was the fullness of time. Everything was ready because uh, they had gathered together and uh, the, in, in Greece, uh, Greece became an empire. He started out with Philip, and Philip did some conquest, and then his son Alexander the Great took over uh, after he died. And Alexander was a great warrior. And he began to conquer all of the known world. They went west all the way to India. They went east all the way to Great Britain. They went to the south in Africa and Egypt and all along the northern coast. Uh, this, this was an empire and everywhere Alexander the Great went he took his teacher Aristotle and they taught people the Greek language about Greek culture about three years ago my wife and I went to Greece and we were able to go in Athens and saw the Parthenon we were really impressed with the Parthenon how uh, they had put together this grand structure and it was high high on a stone hill very high up and from all over the city, it was lit up, and you could see the Parthenon at night. And they spread their culture, their architecture, their math. When Alexander died at the age of 33, the same age that Jesus had died, four generals took over, and they continued to spread Hellenism even after Greece was no longer an empire. Certainly, Alexander the Great had no idea that he was being prepared, he was preparing the way for the coming of the Savior into the world. And yet he did. God used him in a way that he would never have expected. And then, the third way that everything was prepared was by the Romans. Now the Romans, there was something called Pax Romana. Sounds like the Spanish. And this was the Roman peace. And 
The people were by and large grateful to the Romans because the Romans would go in and they would conquer, but they would give them a lot of freedom as long as they paid their taxes. Most people actually honored them, but the Jews did not. But everybody appreciated the peace because you know, before the Romans took over, bandits would come out of the hills and they would attack small uh, villages. And they would pillage and they would rape and they would murder. There was no protection. And then they would sail on the Mediterranean and pirates were out there. But the Romans went in and they got all of them. So it was safe to travel from one place to another. And the Christians were able to later depend upon that safety to spread the gospel around the world. They also built roads. Now the Romans were great road builders and they would dig all the way down to the bedrock. And then they would put large stones and smaller stones and they made a form of concrete out of limestone and they built these roads over 2,000 years ago and you know many of them are still functional today. You know we in North America could learn something from that. Maybe we could avoid some of the potholes if we built our roads like the Romans did. And then the Romans also had a postal system. And as the Christians wrote to one another in different countries, their mail would go out because of this postal system of the Romans. No doubt, Augustus Caesar had no idea that he was helping out the Christians and he was being used by God in preparing for the coming of the Savior into the world. When Caesar Augustus uh, performed a census, it was the first census ever taken of the known world, he did that so he could tax people, but Joseph went to the town of his ancestors to Bethlehem and Jesus was born there in fulfillment of the scripture. God was doing all of this preparation. And you know there were even other things because later on John the Baptist came as a forerunner of Jesus and he was preparing the way as well. And probably there are countless other reasons why God was involved and why this was the perfect time the fullness of time. This is what happened. Here are the results. First of all, God sent His Son. Now Jesus was born as a child in Bethlehem. But He is unique among all other people because He pre-existed from the very beginning. There was no beginning. Infinitely in the past, Jesus was there. The Bible says He was the agent of creation. And he was the reason for creation. So how did God become a man? Well, the angel appeared to Mary and said, you're going to bear a child. His name will be Emmanuel. He said, well, I've never been with a man. He said, well, the Holy Spirit is going to inseminate you and you will bear the Christ child. The work of the Holy Spirit Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus preempted himself. He limited himself in order to become a man. He took on a human form and so he was born of a woman as it says in the text but he was more than an ordinary man. John 3.16 says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten <clears throat> phrase is interesting because in Greek literature in other places that is translated as unique. 
Jesus is the one-of-a-kind, unique Son of God. He is the God-man. And God sent Him into the world. And we know that as a man, He walked on the dust of the earth. But as God, He walked on the Sea of Galilee. As a man, He was thirsty. But as God, He is the living water. As a man, He was hungry. But as God, He is the bread of life. As a man, He died on the cross. But as God, three days later, He was raised from the dead. Jesus, the God-man, He was sent into the world. Jesus was able to say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. What's God like? Look to Jesus and you can find out exactly what God is like. Not only did God send His Son, but God redeems us through Him. And that's what it says here. To redeem those under the law. Jesus came into the world under the law. That is, all the laws of the Old Testament, and He fulfilled each and every one, so that you and I, who could not be under the law, might have eternal life. He redeems us. And I know the word redemption or redeem, uh, that's, uh, that's a theological word. But actually, it just refers to somebody that is a slave. And he's in the slave market. And he's in chains and shackles or tied up with ropes. And there's no hope for him. And then somebody else comes by and buys him and sets him free. That's what it means to be redeemed. Because before Christ, you and I were slaves. Sin, the death, the hell. And He frees us. We are redeemed. When I worked in the prison, I started out as a chaplain. And I had like eight inmate chaplains that had been through seminary. And we had to make a trip one day. And uh, There were only two seats in the front for the guards. And then there was a screen in between. And so I had arrived with the inmate chaplains, which was good because I, we were all very close. And but before they were able to go, they put them in shackles. Shackles on their hands. Shackles on their feet. And then they tied them together. So they could only take little tiny steps and to get into the van they had to have assistance. And all the way riding there in about two hours and then all the way back, they were all very uncomfortable. So all the way back I decided something, to do something that I was not allowed to do really as a chaplain. Uh, my approach was to, to get forgiveness instead of permission. And so I, I bought a big bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now they had not had Kentucky Fried Chicken in a long, long time. I had to bribe the guards by giving them chicken as well. But uh, they ate that big bucket of chicken. But they were still uncomfortable. They could hardly move. So when they finally got back, the guard took out the key and he unlocked the chains and they all fell on the floor. They were in shackles, but they had been freed. Jesus says, so if the Son of God frees you, you shall be free indeed. Our great freedom comes in Jesus Christ. We have been redeemed. We're no longer in slavery to the law. We're no longer even under the law. But we are under the grace of God. And everything that we do, though we disappoint God, and we break His heart, and we break His laws, and we fall short of His glory, still, we are redeemed in Jesus Christ. 
Then finally, God adopts us. I have three sons. And I love my boys and just about anything that they would ask me to do, I would, unless it's something that I morally can't do, I would, I would try to do it because they're my sons and I've loved them. And we all belong in a family. We said a while ago, Jesus was the unique Son of God, but all of us are made children of God by adoption through the blood of Christ. He adopts us and makes us part of the family. And it says in Psalm 68 that God sets the lonely in families. And I, I am grateful to come here on Sunday and to shake hands and hug everybody because you are my brothers, my sisters, and my mothers. I'm not going to point anybody out. My mothers. We're all part of the same family. And that's why... The Bible says that if you're to get along with anybody, get along with other people of God because there's something wrong spiritually in your life if you're not getting along with fellow believers. We're adopted. Probably, oh, a bit over a year ago, uh, we would go down to the lake. My, my house is only a couple blocks from the lake and we would walk down there and we got there and there's this dog, skinny, got a big cut on his neck. Uh, we heard that there were some uh, teenage kids that would throw rocks at him and even cut him with a knife. And my wife has a very tender heart. And so she started bringing him penicillin and she would bring him food. She would bring him water. He was there by the lake and all the animals drink by the lake. But she would bring him fresh water that had been purified from the house. And every day or so she would say, well, Wayne, can we adopt Bruno? He had a name. Everybody in the community still knows Bruno. Can we adopt Bruno? And I said, of course not. <laughs> I don't want that big monstrosity at my house. And we'd go every day and we'd feed him and give him medicine and water. And she would say, Wayne, can we adopt Bruno? No, Anna, no. Not possible. I don't want Bruno. Well, one day, I guess the weather was bad or something, and I somehow agreed to let him into my garage. <laughs> Apparently, that was close enough so that never again would Bruno be outside of the house except when we were walking him. So, yes, we ended up adopting Bruno. I pay for his food. I have to walk him every day. In fact, a lot of times I have to walk him by myself. I didn't really adopt him, but <laughs> Bruno is our adopted dog. He's part of the family now. So if he goes to the vet, vet I have to take care of that. You know, Bruno is part of our family. You and I are part of the family of God. We belong to each other. We look out for one another. We support one another. We help one another. We do what we can because we're a family. We have been adopted into God's family. Now if you look throughout all of history, you see God working and planning. God had a plan for His Son coming in the fullness of time. Because of that, 
You and I have been sent the Savior. We have been redeemed. We have been adopted. What a plan God has. But not only does He have a plan for all people, God has a plan for each one of us individually. And the goal is that one day when we stand before the Almighty God, He will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. That's His plan. You might have heard about the architect that uh, did the plans for the Brooklyn Bridge. But he was seriously injured just as it was a starting. And so he was confined to the bed at home. And so his wife every day would take the, uh, the plans for the workers and explain what they were to do. And finally the Brooklyn Bridge was built in all of its splendor. And he wanted to see it so they carried him in his bed so he could look at all the, the lines and all the rivets. And it was exactly as he had dreamed. And he said, it's just like the plan. Just like the plan. May we be just like the plan when we stand before the Almighty God. Bow with me. Gracious God and Almighty Savior, thank you for this day. Thank you that you are the God of today as you were the God 2,000 years ago. Thank you for sending your Son into the world at just the right time. God, we pray your forgiveness for all of our sins. We pray your blessings upon us and our families, especially at this holiday time. Remembrance of the coming of our Savior into the world. God, we thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes our way. For we know they come from you. Oh God, we praise you. We honor you. We ask now to be filled with the presence of your Holy Spirit as we go from this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.